What are you doing? Important work. Really? It looks like you're just spinning around like a little kid with your arms stretched out. Your point is? We're supposed to be recording a short segment for the Introvert 360 podcast to highlight what we're going to cover and how it's going to be different than Com Capers. That old thing? Can you just stop so we can discuss what we're going to do? I'm getting dizzy. No. Really? Why not? I'm doing research. Uh, you're seeing how many times you can spin around before getting sick? 101 so far. But no, that's not it. We named our podcast the Introvert 360. So I'm spinning around to see what things are within my purview. Huh? I'm an introvert and I'm spinning 360 degrees. What's not to understand? Fine. So what do you see? Mostly trees. So now you're advocating for an Arbor Day podcast? Uh, trees can often be better company than people. But no, I was just trying to illustrate the point that depending on where you stand, a 360 degree view can pretty much encompass everything. When I spun around my house earlier, I saw cats. I think everything is a little too broad. How about cats then? We're introverts, so undoubtedly there's going to be cats, but I think we need more meaty subjects. Meaty? Come on! I'm practically a vegetarian. No, no, no. What I meant is that we should talk about topics that can help introverts like us better cope in an extroverted world. Things like career choices, maybe even discuss famous introverts and learn from the choices they've made. Can we also talk about things that fuel the creative process? Discuss the hidden, a.k.a. untrue, backstories of current events? I suppose. And can we record each episode while we spin in circles? Absolutely not. I'd get way too dizzy, and that would be terrible for audio quality. <sighs> Man. But we can at least use a magic eight ball to answer the most pressing questions of today, right? Sure. Why not? Can Carrie finish without me? Oh, look! The magic eight ball says, without a doubt. Cool! I'll get back to my important work. Wee! Wee! Important Whee! work. Remember, you wanted me as a co-host. Anyway, join us for the Introvert 360 podcast, where we put an introvert spin on career, creativity, and personal development. And cats. And cats, too. Welcome to the Introvert 360 Podcast. Each episode, your distinguished hosts, Carrie and Rebecca, will analyze the extrovert's hidden agenda and how introversion can affect one's life experiences. I have cats. And how is that related? Fine. Maybe we'll just talk about creative careers, workplace culture, and cake. But introverts really... <clears throat> but introverts really need to know about the hidden agenda of extroverts. Get over it. Anyway, get ready to put on your introvert colored glasses. What color are introvert colored glasses? Rainbow unicorn? Unicorn isn't a color. That's what the extroverts want you to think? <laughs> Me, 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 me. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, it's me, Rebecca, and I need to make a confession. I did a hugely irrational thing that all of you other INTJs can silently judge me for. I quit my job, and now I need to start thinking about the job search. So, how's it going? Well, you can listen in on my conversation with Carrie over coffee today. Hey, stranger, how's the life of the footloose and fancy free? I am so tired. She means that she's feeling unchallenged in her current environment and is looking forward to an exciting new opportunity where she can provide shareholder value. You're not working. Why are you so tired? It's all this interviewing. It's all so tedious. What she is saying is that despite getting the chance to meet lots of wonderful new people at a variety of inspiring companies, she is eager to jump right in and contribute to shareholder value. Ugh, what, what's with the guy at the next booth? Just ignore him. So I didn't realize that you already jumped back into the interviewing. Yeah, I figured I might as well at least get my toe in the water to see what bites. She means that she is taking a strategic approach to align herself with companies where she can provide the most shareholder value. Fine. Rebecca, what is with Mr. Shareholder Value over here? Rebecca, what's with this Ms. Irrelevant Woman here? Irrelevant? What Rebecca clearly knows is that you obviously have no influence on her future career prospects and therefore will not be able to help her provide shareholder value. Rebecca, who is this obnoxious guy? What is he talking about? Obnoxious? Brutus, we talked about this. When acting as my introvert, interview advocate. You need to make sure that you aren't misreading the situation or saying things that offend people. I thought this would be good practice for you, but it's only been a couple minutes and already you've offended my good friend Carrie. I think what Rebecca is trying to say is that while my skills and background are certainly impressive, competition for this position is fierce. And unfortunately, you won't be able to move forward with me at this time. Okay. Okay, that was weird. I know, and he was doing so much better than the last five introvert interview advocates I interviewed this week. (laughs) That's a mouthful. (laughs) That's a mouthful. I didn't didn't give him the names. (laughs) Or maybe I did. Um, yeah, so this is me, Carrie, and I'm here with Rebecca, and I, for one, would like an explanation for Mr. Shareholder Value. Well, I'll need to jump back into the interviewing process soon, and I want to give myself every edge possible. I thought maybe I could hire someone to make what I say sound smart. Yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) Not enough shareholder value? Sure. Um, but... (laughs) Sorry. Sure, (laughs) sure, sure. But really, what I wanted to talk about was the whole interviewing process and how it brings us both irrational joy. Oh, you used irrational joy. I did, just for you. So come on, tell me how much you love the interviewing process. Yeah, no, I hate interviewing. That doesn't sound like irrational joy. No, it's more like substantiated fear. Not sure if it's substantiated, or maybe you've had some interviews with really evil clowns that I don't know about. I did watch it last week. It was scary. So maybe it's not fear. As a shy introvert, interviewing is really outside my comfort zone. 
I tend to obsess about the social aspects before and after the interview and talking about my strengths honestly just feels like bragging. I know what you mean. I tend to bomb most interviews. I'm sure this is one reason why I've stayed at my jobs for so long. I mean, what other person in their 40s has only worked at three companies in their entire adult life? I know. I even worked at four companies. You job hopper, you. Just call me the Flash. What? Like I'm a superhero. I'm so fast that you don't even know I'm there. (laughs) No, not the Flash. Maybe Captain hopped up on goofballs. Who says hopped up on goofballs? Are you like 80? Maybe. Didn't you know that my superhero name is the unidentified aged object? (laughs) Okay, first of all, I'm older than you are. And second of all, what does that mean? I'm really not sure. (laughs) Okay, anyway, in our episode on branding our career box way back in November of 2017, our first episode... Wow. I know. We talked about setting yourself up for success, and really terrible superhero names are not the answer. No, why not? Honestly, this is the most difficult part for me. How do I sell my value? Communicating value is something that really intuitive people struggle with. A recruiter I met with at one point said something that really stuck with me. It was the idea that the most valuable employees sometimes have the hardest time communicating their values because they easily jump from A to Z from problem to solution and assume that everyone can just do it too. But the reality is that many people have to methodically slog through each step, oftentimes going back to earlier steps and retracing and altering the way forward. Geez, I can totally relate with that. I mean, when I started revamping my resume after 11 years of pretending I would never need to look for another job again, it was was overwhelming just trying to figure out where to start. The job market is so different now, and applicant tracking systems rule the day. It seems like job seekers have to have black belts and personal branding and SEO just to show up in the LinkedIn searches. I'm still trying to figure out what my algorithms are. See, I got that down. I look really good on paper, and I get lots of phone interviews. Well, at least you're getting some response. Yeah, but afterwards, they never call. They never write. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because I'm not an extrovert. That again? You do realize that somewhere between a quarter and a half of the world are introverts, don't you? Are you really saying that the hiring process is biased against such a large percent of the population? No, not really. I think that it's just because... Upon first blush, my personality doesn't jive with people's expectations for someone with my resume. I've been a manager for 15 years. I've led the charge on introducing new technologies and launching new products. I think the assumption is that looking at my resume that I'm an extrovert. When I have interviews, I think they're looking for someone who's more outgoing. So I try to be that person and I probably just come off as inauthentic. (laughs) Simon Sinek would not approve. Simon would probably also not approve of you being so judgy. So go stand outside the circle of safety for just a few minutes. But I like it in here. Then admit that you haven't always been yourself in interviews. Well, that's true. You got me there. You know, I wonder if anyone is actually authentic in interviews. (laughs) Probably not. I don't think this is an introvert exclusive problem, though. I mean, interviewing is a little like dating, right? If the proposal happened after the second or third date, we're all trying to show off our good sides and we're probably not our most authentic selves. Simon Sinek wouldn't approve. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not entirely sure that Simon has opinions on people's dating and marriage habits, but okay. <laughs> Something to Google later. Something to Google later. I don't know his relationship status. This is important to you since he's your boyfriend. I, I am married. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So one of the new things that companies, especially large ones, are doing is adding digital interviews into the process. Oh, there are so many people chatting this up online. Along with the plethora of articles on how to succeed at digital interviews, there's a healthy amount of skepticism and general freaking out. There are people screaming about how this practice is ruining the hiring process and others who think that the process raises issues of discrimination. Personally, I think calling it an interview is just downright silly. It's not. I've had employers ask me to fill out questionnaires although that was after talking to an HR person first. And this just seems like a digital version of that. As a shy introvert, I use a lot of visual cues to tell if the other person is engaged in the conversation. And I'm trying to make sure that their eyes aren't glazing over and whatever. And I have a hard time with phone interviews because I can't see the other person's responses. So the video thing just seems like it's just more of the same. And I kind of wonder if I get distracted looking at myself on screen the whole time. I don't know. It might be the wave of the future, but it feels like it might be better for employers, but not for potential employees. What do you think? As you know, I did a digital interview not so long ago. I do. So are digital interviews the end of civilization as we know it? Was it the absolute worst? Well, it was better than a phone interview where they put you on mute and you're wondering if they went out for a bathroom break. Oh, God, did that actually happen? Would you rather <laughs> take the... Would you rather take the... They took the phone into the bathroom? I mean... Nothing brightens a phone call for an interview more than hearing somebody flush. And then not hearing them wash their hands? Ew. Ew. Um, seriously. So, what was it like? So, I... <clears throat> so, going in, I knew the system was designed to give you one minute to prepare and then three minutes to complete the question. Built-in prep time was good because I know I can have a typical INTJ death stare when I'm thinking, as you well know. <laughs> I've seen this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why you give me stuff and walk away. <laughs> so uh, with the digital interview, I knew I wouldn't feel pressure to immediately start talking after the person finished asking the question. However, it was explicitly stated that I couldn't hire a stand-in to take my interview for me, so I still had to contend with the fact that I suck at interviews. Okay, my favorite part about that is that they had to state you couldn't hire someone to do it for you. Hi. Playing the role of Rebecca today is Meryl Streep. Is Meryl Streep. So you couldn't hire Meryl Streep to do it for you. That's That's sad. I know, it would have been perfect. We look so much alike. Oh, spitting image. Spitting image. Or... Ooh, ooh, I want to play. Who would I hire to play me? Mm, mm, mm. Melissa McCarthy? Oh, no, 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 no. She's too funny. She's too funny. I got it. Helen Hunt. Helen I... Mirren. <laughs> Helen Mirren. I just Do I look that old? No. No. But I spent a, I spent an entire decade copying Helen Hunt's hairstyle, so I think oh, whatever. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> totally getting us off track. I just thought it was the wasn't it? What's her face from Friends? Isn't that whose hair you had? No, no, Rachel. Rachel. I never Rachel. had the Rachel. You never had the no, Rachel. No, I never right. had the Rachel. So. So, whatever. How did the digital interview thingy go? Well, I spent a lot of time getting the room set up so that I had a nice, solid background behind me and made sure I looked presentable from the waist up. Did you go pantless? 
No, that's gross. I didn't brush my teeth, though. <laughs> Talk about gross. It's not like it was smell-o-vision. Ooh, true. So, then I logged in and prepared to meet my doom. Doom. <laughs> funny word when you think about it. it is. Doom. <laughs> okay, so Doom started with a little intro from the recruiter that I can't remember. There was a practice question and then it was on to the real deal. I was delighted to discover that I had unlimited time to prepare before recording the answer for each question. In fact, on one question, I took so long that it actually timed out. So, so wait, what happened when you, when it timed out? It told me, it said, we have um, logged you out of the system <laughs> because you're not there. And so you had to log back in and did it just pick up where you went, yeah. where you started before then? Yeah. Oh. So I guess future, maybe, maybe this is something to know for the future, except for some places might do it differently. Well, you know, what if you have a bad, in oh, my internet connection went down. Darn. <laughs> I needed an hour to think about that question. But you came back with a different shirt on. <laughs> okay, you can't do that. But, you know, like, I'm thinking, well, this is how you could, you know, oh, shoot, the internet went down. I couldn't answer my question, and I needed another hour to write up my response. Anyway, never yes, mind. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm putting this back in my head, because... I am not good at responding. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the complaints is that this approach really lets companies and recruiters off the hook, that it's really not about the convenience of the candidate, but about keeping people at arm's length and shuffling a large number of people through the process. Mm, I guess it didn't bug me. I'm under no delusions that I can make a personal connection with a recruiter or a hiring manager in 30 minutes. So for me, a selling point was that it could be shared with multiple people without me having to repeat the same darn answers over and over again. The downside was that if it, I really bombed it, my utter fail could be replayed again and again <laughs> for eternity. Still as awkward as heck, though. But for me, that's any interview. Oh, I'm just, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't know if I could do it. Well, that's a known consequence of digital interviews. A large percent of people invited for digital interviews decide not to pursue them. Really? Yes. They essentially opt out because they're not willing to do the work. Do you think that's best for the company? There's a lot of talk online that says that applicant tracking systems and digital interviewing systems can leave great candidates on the table. People who might not have traditional backgrounds, but might have the technical or soft skills to excel if given the opportunity to interview. But there's a part of me that says, hey, if we get invited to a digital interview, you should probably buck up and do it. I Yes, I totally get your point. Um, I guess they're just looking for people who really, really want the job. I suppose. One thing I heard is that these video systems analyze your responses for micro-expressions. It's like an online polygraph. Can't fool the machines. As I well know. And it might just be because I'm half robot. <laughs> Wait, you're half robot? Hello? All INTJs are half robot. Jeez. Anyway, I thought that as such, my robotic brethren might score me higher than my human counterparts. And perhaps there was a chance that artificial intelligence might actually be better at reading my potential than human HR folks. How could this possibly be? Well, according to a website called HireView, responses to video 
interviews are full of data. The content of verbal response, intonation, and nonverbal communications are just a few of the 25,000 data points we collect. These data points are analyzed by our proprietary machine learning algorithms to accurately predict a potential employee's skills, fit, and future job performance. I, I, I don't even know what that means. Why would you? You're not part robot. So, Ms. Robot, what happened? Well, later that day, I got contacted to go in for an in-person interview. Hmm, maybe you really are half robot. Actually, I'm not sure if that was the case. I'm not sure if the company I interviewed with actually uses the more sophisticated features like grading micro expressions. So you got the in-person interview on your own merits. Or perhaps lack of. What? Well, apparently the hiring manager enjoyed that I had a sense of humor about the digital <laughs> interview process and that I was fully aware of just how awkward it was. <laughs> how so? Well, in the beginning, I kept interviewing myself before each answer, like, hi, this is me, Rebecca, and yada, yada, yada. And then at some point, I, I'm like, I clearly don't need to introduce myself after before each question, <laughs> you probably know who I am by now. <laughs> he mentioned that. And the fact that when I tried to stop the recording one time, it wouldn't stop. And I just started talking to him at, like, you're still recording? Why are you recording? You're not supposed to be recording. Just stop. <laughs> I can totally see that happening. So, so that's why he wanted to talk to you. Yeah. He was a bit unconventional. I mean, I really liked him and he was a sort of person I think I would have enjoyed working with. So did you get the job? Sadly, no. I think he might have been a little bit disappointed that I didn't think the digital interviewing process was as preposterous as he did. I'm sure there were other reasons as well, though. Okay, so you've been through it. So what's your assessment on the process? Well, in this case, I felt it got me FaceTime with the sort of person that would hire me um, the sort of person who would hire me. However, if the hiring manager had been super corporate, um, I probably would not have been called in for a, an in-person interview. But honestly, a really corporate position may not be the, the best fit for me anyway. So you, it sounds like it was a, a good idea. Do you think it's more introvert friendly than the traditional process? Well, I don't know. The purported intent of these systems are to reduce bias. But if recruiters and not machines, my robotic brethren, are reviewing, <laughs> you're still dependent on human bias. Plus, just because this one introvert, who happens to be an INTJ, didn't mind the process, doesn't mean that it would be attractive to other sorts of introverts. What's your take as an INFJ? Well, as someone who hasn't done it yet, but is terrified of the process, I'm of two minds about it. Because on the one hand, I don't have to worry about building up my energy bank to meet somebody new. But it feels so inhuman. Like, as an introvert, I need my space. But as a designer and a collaborator, I like the connection, or I need the connection to assess the situation and decide how I fit. I get that big companies get a lot of resumes to sift through, but also this type of screening feels like it gives the company all the cards in the beginning, rather than a process where both the company and the interviewee get an opportunity to decide if they're a good fit for one another. 
a couple of months ago, after talking to an HR manager, I decided that the company culture wasn't a good fit for me, and there was no reason to waste time moving forward for either her or I. So it seems like we're losing that ability. I suppose the, the thought is that you would get that later in the process, too. But it's, yeah, it's where, where is, whose time is being wasted, and when is it being wasted? Yeah. Because this whole process is a waste. Well, and I feel like applicant tracking systems are for the company's benefit, not necessarily. I mean, I really do. I feel like that whole part is really, it's a company management thing. It's not, it's, it's, it's not for the benefit of the interview interviewee, right. the potential employee. Right. And so, I mean, I get that they need a way to manage the systems. It's just, I think they, I think it loses a little. Anyway. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about introvert to introvert is whether things like practice assignments are more introvert friendly or if it really comes down to the individual. While many people let out an in inaudible or an audible groan, which one? <laughs> I don't know. Um, when they hear sample project or practice assignment, this makes me oddly happy. Especially if they're willing to pay me for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So instead of spending hours analyzing how to best answer the question of where do you want to be in five years, I'd rather spend time writing a blog or putting together a launch plan. Um, if evaluating my performance in an inter interview, I will likely never be the best. But if you're evaluating my work output, at least I have a shot. That's how I feel. Hmm. Uh, I have one question. What? Where do you want to be in five years? Hmm, I think hugging rainbows and kissing moonbeams. I don't think that's a job. Then I want to be a unicorn whisperer. What does that entail? Mostly Skittles. And cotton candy. <laughs> I totally hire you for that. <laughs> if only, right? <laughs> so, so how do you feel about practice work and pretend assignments? Am I a weirdo for welcoming these opportunities? Well, I'm, I can't speak for all introverts or INFJs specifically, but it's nice because I get to show and not tell, which is a bonus. But I also find it hard to do, partly because I haven't gotten the opportunity to really, or I don't feel like I've gotten the opportunity to really talk to anyone about their goals for the sample project. But in all fairness, the couple of times that I've had to do them, they were fake assignments. And so the creative briefs were not very robust. And I felt like I was just guessing at a lot of the stuff and they weren't really giving me access to ask more questions because they didn't really care about the project. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't know how much time I'm supposed to spend on a project like that if it's not real. Do they just want to see if I can follow their style guide? I mean, at least if they pay you, it feels like a freelance project. So maybe the brief is just a little more defined and maybe mentally it just gives me permission to own the process. I just had a thought. Maybe I just need to pretend I'm a freelancer for all of it. <clears throat> but for some reason, getting paid changes the dynamic. It feels like less of a test and more like an, an acknowledgement that, hey, I'm a professional and they're still assessing me for fit. If they don't pay... Then there's always the question of whether or not they'll use the work and just not hire me, which seems ludicrous, but apparently it happens according to the internet. So I'm kind of loving the idea of getting paid. Getting paid is always good. <laughs> you probably aren't going to ask an accountant to do your quarterly financials to see if they're a good fit, though. So maybe the sample work thing is only relevant for folks for whom there is a level of ambiguity involved in the way the job gets done, meaning that the parameters are set like the style guide, but how those parameters are applied is flexible. It's the creativity factor, I guess. 
I'm just thinking that I, I need to audition my cat. Like, <laughs> How well do you perform as a cat? <laughs> Not very well. No lap sitting for you. Okay. Um, so, so yes, uh, work practice assignments are, it's all about, yeah, that more creative. Uh, it's when where more creativity is involved and when when the application of things can be more subjective. So... Yeah, you're right. It's not. But see, I, there's a part of me, too, as a designer that's like, even when I'm working within a company and you talk to somebody and you have a brief and you put together the artwork and for as a draft and you go to present it and maybe you don't hit the mark completely and you want to revise it, you get the opportunity to meet the goal. But with the practice I feel like if you don't nail it on the first try, yeah. that yeah. they're just going to move on. And it's like, that's not really how the creative process works for a lot of creatives. I mean, I'm not one of those creatives who can consistently say, I've nailed it on the first try every single time I've done it. That's not always the way it works. Right. Yeah, so no. it seems, it seems <clears throat> again, like, well, if you're not... <laughs> Like, I feel like I have to yeah. get it perfect. I have to answer. I have to get the test perfectly right in order to be able to get the job. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm just overthinking. Yeah, it. maybe it's, but I get what you're saying where it's like, <clears throat> the, you're, you're just, it's the people who can get it right on the first time. It's not the people who could actually do better, you know, with some, you know, that collaborative. And it's, it's just saying, okay, which of, are you a creative person who can work independently without without but, feedback which is well, not how you want to be right well and I think I can work independently but I'm also a collaborative type person who enjoys the, the back and forth right and who likes taking those ideas and mixing them up and putting them together into something new and different so, so you're I, I struggle with it so your experience they didn't give you any feedback on your um no and, and that's the other thing I got no feedback on the materials that I submitted they just didn't give me the job Oh, see, now now that, so in my experience, um, I submitted something, and they gave me feedback, and they asked me to rewrite it, and then I resubmitted <clears throat> it. But did they, did they pay you? Yeah. See, that's the difference. I feel like if they're paying you, then at least it's an acknowledgement that, hey, this is a... This, this is a real this thing. Is, we want to see how you're going to, how we work together. Right. And I think, I feel like before it was just, here, take this test. We don't... We're not going to tell you how we're going to grade you, mm -hmm. but here's the style guide. And so you don't really, and here's what we want you to create. Here's the text of what we want you to do, but we're not, you know, and then you call and you say, well, can we talk a little bit about it? Well, it's all in the brief. Like they don't want to talk to you about, and maybe it was just bad companies that I interviewed with. And, they, yeah. and then I didn't get any feedback. Like they just didn't hire me. Well, and I, and I think to your, to your point there is that. That's the sort of situation where it is, it does seem like you're in a there's there's no winning right. you know that that um, that you want you want that feedback so maybe I, if you're in that situation it's like well you know can we talk about this can I ask the questions can I you know how can we you know I if I have questions can I ask you throughout the process and if they say no it's kind of like what are you trying to what do you want what, from me what you know like if because it does almost sound like it, where they're checking a box as opposed to trying to make a connection. Right. And, and if in the, um, the, the way that you're saying it, they set it up, it's kind of a way to kind of delay or to push people along. Or it's a way to kind of um, exclude more people as opposed to really trying to gauge people's potential and, and potential fit and the potential. So, yeah, I could see where that would have been really kind of annoying. In this case, do you think it works? 
Well, it might be a good end product, but it might have taken the person way too long to create it. Um, exactly. When you're, especially like when you're, if, if it's an agency yep. and they're booking hours for a client, if you know, they're only charging their client three hours and it, and it took someone 10 hours to create it, that's not sustainable for, for that company. It's true. I, I suppose I could hire like, you know, Stefan Stag. I think Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. I could hire some uh, James <laughs> Victoria. I don't know, some fancy designer to do the project for me and then they'd hire me, right? I, that sounds expensive. Should, I mean, I, I'd say you should just hire me to do the project, but I, I'm not. A, you're a much better designer than me, so maybe my. But maybe my job, next job can be the practice assignment fixer. I don't even know what that means. The point is that even with the practice assignment, it's hard for companies to really know what they're getting, which leads right to the next point. That the hiring process is broken. Ooh, yeah. We could talk about this all day. Which is why we'll be discussing issues in the interview process in more depth in the next episode. I told you that, right? Nope. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I started this. A long time. It's all right. It's all good. We've had a little mini hiatus. Okay. So now it's time for INFJ. INFJ. Okay, so today's question is civility. So one of the there was a article in the Harvard Business Review that said something about that the highest aspiration for a company or for a team is civility. So um, and we're just going to talk a little bit about how we feel about that and whether our personalities play a little bit into. Um, our reaction. Okay, you go first and tell me what you think. Well, I think, I mean, civility is not a bad word. It's, a, it's very sterile. It's kind of like, um, you know, everyone's playing nice, getting along. We're just, you know, we might not like each other, but we're not throwing eggs at each other. So um, <laughs> civility is fine. It's that word that we say sometimes, like, it's fine fine and it's not bad it's it's kind of a neutral thing um is it the highest level that departments should strive for probably not i i i couldn't uh, yeah i i don't think that civility is in any way shape or form an aspirational term for the way that a department should function i mean at the base level level zero you should be civil to one another. That's but like, that's the same, you know, if you go to the grocery store, you should be civil to the people around you and to the clerk and to, like, that's the base level of human interaction, right, is civility. Right. For the most part. I mean, you know. Do you know, think people are civil, though? Uh, well, we live in Minnesota. Everybody's Minnesota nice to Yeah, here, so yeah, you are, betcha. Yeah. We're very civil here. In, and then we go home and passive-aggressively complain about everybody. But... <laughs> But I think from a department standpoint or from a company standpoint, I don't think civility is what's going to get your company to the next level when it comes to in, in like innovation and creativity. Civility isn't going to get you there. No. Collaboration I, and kindness and, you know, circles of safety are going to get you there. Well, and, and civility is 
is what you do with people you don't like. And that's, yeah. you're civil to people you don't like. Um, and or don't you, know. You don't know. Right. Right. Um, it's not a relationship. And so, like you're saying, if you're just civil, nothing's going to happen. I mean, that's, and I think sometimes, where did this message come from? Like, it was a Harvard, Harvard Business Review. Is it because we have so many toxic employees in, in a department and people are ganging up on each other and, and someone actually, it's like, why do you need the kindergarten teacher to stand on the desk saying, A.K. everybody, mm. stop throwing things, settle right. down, be nice to one another. Right. It's, it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be said, but it, it just it makes me wonder why it has to be. I mean, are we at this point in culture in our in, in the culture and the environment that we live in where people are like, yeah, we we need to talk about civility as being an aspirational statement. I mean, I, I yeah, I agree. I think it's just. Uh, it could it could just be where we are right now because things are in life not good mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And so maybe civility is a new norm. But I just think if you're it's I guess my offense was that it was an aspiration. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's, like, it's so. It's like, no, I think you can strive to start there. But if you don't have empathy and you don't have compassion for the people that you work with or you can't figure a, wa a way to drum that up for them, then maybe you're in the wrong place. Like maybe that's not the place for you. Well, and I and I do think that there was probably some, at least for me, um, the the who sent it. I, I think the, right. the context of someone who sent it. I don't think that the department was even civil. I mean, I think at that point mm. that that civility was an aspirational <laughs> statement for the department. You know, if everyone would have just notched it up to civility, everything would have been fine. But it was not a good environment. So, but if you took a step back and said, okay, well, in a department where everyone did a really good job, we all liked each other, we cared about each other, we had each other's back. We would have laughed at that. Well, we, <laughs> Who's going to do that? No, no I get it. Um, so I don't, I, and maybe it's the reaction too, where it's like, well, this is dumb that we even have to bring up civility, but we do. Civility. If you send this email out to people in your department and you're talking about civility <laughs> and you think, and you're sending this out because your department is hostile. <laughs> I don't think that's why you I know, send it but out, I but mean, but you know, like if if you send it out because that's something that you think your department should aspire to, part of me goes, you're setting the bar too low. You're well, you're setting the bar too low, and there's obviously something broken. So, and an email is not going to fix it, right? <laughs> Sorry, like that email isn't going to fix it. <laughs> it's not good for you to be there if you can't find empathy and compassion for. Folks, I get it, you know, and it, mm -hmm. they might not have empathy and compassion for you. And that's not good for you either. Mm -hmm. So it's not good for your soul. So it sounds like we're in agreement. If you can't agree, just be civil or only TP their office like <laughs> three days a week. <laughs> no, pr yeah. Cut the personal pranks down to <laughs> it's just fun. a couple days a week. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So there you have it. Another episode of Calm Capers. If you like what you've heard, leave a comment and subscribe. If you didn't like what you heard, let us know so we can get better. We would also feel immensely grateful if, if any of you should be inclined to leave a review on iTunes. It's like getting a second interview for a job that you might actually kind of want. Woo! I think that's it. Unless you have anything you'd like to add. What kind of cake <laughs> would they have at it? 
You know, at a shareholders meeting. Shareholder meeting cake. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? Mm, what would you do? With, if, you well, I'm, filled with money. Filled with money. That's maybe that's just lying.